Hi, this is Kristen Cabrera, reporter-producer from the Texas Standard. One of the coolest things about working on the show is getting to tell stories from my community, like this one I did on high school UAL Mariachi. But you know, this is Texas. You'd be hard-pressed to go a week without hearing. Dun-dun! Listen anytime to the Texas Standard, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hey there, welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that formed and transformed them. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on This Song, we'll be hearing a live interview I did recently with Ethan Hawke and Ben Dickey at Waterloo Records here in Austin. They were promoting the movie they just made about Blaze Foley, who holds this, like, legendary status among Austin singer-songwriters, even though most people have never heard of him. Now... This is not a proper This Song episode, but it was such a good conversation that we wanted you to hear it. And, you know, maybe you haven't heard of Blaze Foley, but maybe after this interview, you'll see the movie and listen to the soundtrack and, like, study up on Blaze Foley. That would be great. There's no music in the episode. Like, usually we drop in music clips, but we're not going to do that here. But we will have a Spotify playlist on the show notes page for this episode at KUTX.org. And it'll have lots of Blades Foley music, some John Prine music, some Mississippi John Hurt, some Towns Van Zandt, like a Blaze Foley primer, if you will. Before we get started with this interview, though, I want to ask that if you like the episode you're about to hear, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a rating or review because ratings and reviews help us get the word out about this podcast. And like another thing you could do to get the word out, just tell a friend or a family member about this podcast. Maybe you could tell your music loving dad and like even if he doesn't understand how podcasts work, you could show him. Spread the love and Thank you in advance. Now, to Ethan Hawke and Ben Dickey. Now, you probably know of Ethan Hawke as an actor from Dead Poet Society, Reality Bites, Boyhood, but he's also a writer and a director. In fact, he co-wrote this new movie, Blaze, with Sybil Rosen, and he directed the movie as well. And just an aside, Sybil Rosen wrote this lovely book about her relationship to Blaze Foley called Living in the Woods in a Tree. It's so good, you should totally read it. Now, Ben Dickey, he's a musician. He used to be in a band, Blood Feathers. He's released music under his own name, and he plays Blaze Foley in the movie. He also happens to be from Little Rock, Arkansas, where I'm from. I just had to say that because that's what you do when you're from Little Rock, Arkansas. He sings the part of Blaze Foley, and he performs most of the music. The movie comes out on September 21st nationally, though it opened earlier here in Texas. And Ethan and Ben were in town doing, like, and I'm, I'm serious here, 20 or so Q&As and interviews. And like, I got to talk to them. I was one of the 20 at Waterloo Records. Now, if you've never heard of it, Waterloo Records is one of the jewels of Austin, a fiercely independent record store that will make you wish the digital revolution had never happened. When you come to town, you should totally make a beeline for Waterloo. I got to talk to Ethan and Ben on the Waterloo stage about the movie Blaze and about the music that inspired it. Um, I guess I should do an introduction, although I feel like I probably don't need to do one. But we are here today with Ethan Hawke and Ben Dickey. Yay! Yeah. 
Ethan is the co-writer and director of the new movie Blaze, and Ben plays the lead role. And you guys have been doing a ton of Q and A's all over town all weekend. I feel like you might, you might be Q and A'd out. But now we're in Waterloo. We're in a record store. We're surrounded by people who have these little yellow flexi discs, um, which means that Aren't they, they cool? yeah, they pre-ordered the original cast recording oh, to Blaze. And so I wanted to kind of start talking about the music, because that's what this movie is really centered around. And both of you came to Blaze Foley's music fairly recently, right? It's not something you grew up listening to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the movie uh, centers, the movie's about music. And so part of the idea of casting Ben and Charlie as Blaze intends is to cast people who are musicians so that the uh, musicianship would be real. Ben and Charlie have something to say about a life of music. They're not playing at it. They actually really have something to say. So that my hope would be that would be worth your time. You know, um, Ben's heard me say this, but Kazan has this book about, and he writes very beautifully about acting. And one of the things that for a performance to be worth your time, it has to have a little blood in it. You have to... You have to put a little blood in the mercury. And he says a very, you've got enough to give away. It's okay. You know, you don't have to, you know, you don't pay yourself, but you have to put something real, something that's worth other people's time. So we focused on the music and all the music in the movie is live, recorded live. They're playing, if they're playing on the porch, they're playing on the porch. If you hear birds in the background, it's because there are birds there. If you hear, you know, Ben playing by the fire and the fire's cracking, that's because the fire is there. And it's all, it's something if you're going to make a movie about music, that you needed that to be true. That's true. And Ben, you kind of came to to Blaze Foley through John Prine. Is that right? That's right, yeah. I had heard of uh, Blaze's name and that he, he died tragically and that he wrote If I Could Only Fly in the Late 90s via Towns Van Zandt, uh, spelunking, learning about towns. But on, on John's uh, record, he, he put out in 0405, he covers Flea Pigeons. And I adored the song. I was working as a chef, so my life was moving fast, and I hadn't actually taken the time to look at the liner notes. But my dad, I had turned on to John Prine the year before, and he's somebody who should have been known who John was the whole time. He really, really loves that kind of music. So he called me when I was living in northern Arizona, and I was like, man, who's Blaze Foley? Oh, he's this guy. You know, he, he got shot, and he wrote this song that William Merle covered. So my dad went down into the well, and he sent me a CD of, of uh, Blaze's music. He found, like sort of like just searching and searching on the internet via 0405 when it wasn't that, you know, they weren't that available. He sent me some music and he sent me some literature he found that included four different ways that Blaze had died, none of which <laughs> turned out to be true, which, you know, made these uh, really warm chimes go off in my spirit, or I was like, hmm, something's happening here. It reminded me of Robert Johnson. And I went to go see Ethan in Halifax the day after I got that CD, and I was, I was holding this little treasure and he and I love, you know, so much about country music, rock and roll music, blues music. We like to share things. We, you know, look, look, look what I found, you know. So we were in Halifax driving up to up near Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, and um, we listened to this song over and over and over again, six tracks of Blazes, and wondered how in the world we'd gone so long without knowing about him, but also listening to him, feeling like we'd known him the whole time. So that was a wonderful mystery <laughs> that started. So you guys kind of fell down this blaze foley hole like together yeah. at the same foley time. Hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the foley hole. Well, I wonder, you know, when you're driving around Halifax and, and you're listening to these same six songs, I mean, what was it about those songs that was so compelling to you? Well, isn't that really the you wanna answer that? Um, I'll quickly just say 
it happens fast with me. I pride myself on, on exploring music and understanding music, and I love to learn about music. I've never can learn enough and know enough. And about 20 years ago, I went through my deepest blues I'd ever been blue before, down and out, living in my car just a little bit. And uh, I bought Mississippi John Hurt's entire canon, used, you know, four bucks a record, and lived only those records for a long time. And that kind of music where it's so simple but so um, complex at the same time, what Towns does with his songs is a little bit different than what Blaze does. And I, I lean toward Mississippi John Hurt as to having that sim simple magic, you know. So, well, I think if you could really answer about why a song gets inside you, uh, that would be difficult to do. I mean, we all know it when it happens to us. You know, you hear something, and and it it somehow cuts through you, and it cuts to something true. And I think what struck me about Blaze was the quality of the songwriting combined with the fact that I hadn't heard of him. You know, and, and I think I saw in his story an opportunity to tell a story that might be more reminiscent to the most common story of, of musicians, meaning being met with indifference. You know, most of the times you see a movie about a musician, it's the story of them winning 80 million Grammys and then like not being nice to their wife and then they get some humility and, you know, and there's uh, something. You know what I mean? We've all seen that movie a, a bunch of times. Uh, and Blaze doesn't ever have any of those normal tropes. His, his life, I could really talk more about a life in the creative arts because it's what most people experience. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I loved about the movie was living in Austin, which is the kind of place that attracts musicians who are not attracted to money or fame, but mm -hmm. are attracted to making I things. It was like, I know that guy. I mean, I didn't know Blaze Foley, but, but you know, I know that guy. And that's what I wanted the movie to be. That's how I feel. I didn't know Blaze Foley, but I, but I heard, I know you. I, I felt like, oh, I'm friends with you. I know you. I have friends like you. I know it. And I think, you know, when I first came to Austin as an adult, uh, you know, I'd been here a lot as a kid. But when I came here as an adult to work with Richard Linkletter and he introduced me to the filmmaking community and to the music scene, I, it was like oxygen compared to New York and LA because there were all of these artistic people who were passionate and dedicated, working every day, but it didn't seem to be for something else in the same way. It didn't, you know, there's this thing that's driving me crazy with young actors now, which is that they all like, they're doing indie movies so that they get, you know, they're trying to, leapfrog their way to something else. And when I was a kid, you kind of did the big movie so you could get to do an indie movie. Do you, you know what I mean? It's something, somebody's lost the path a little bit. So this is really a story you wanted to tell. And I, I saw your interview with Jody Denberg at KTX yesterday, and you mm. said, and it sounded like you had the idea for the movie, and you had an idea that you wanted Ben to be Blazefully, to play Blazefully. But you didn't really know what the story would be until you read Sybil Rosen's book? Exactly. I mean, we, the movies in a way kind of launched from our friendship of just wanting to work together. But it was a cool idea to say, oh, Ben, you should play Blaze Foley. What's the story? And the most obvious thing is to make the story a, a, about the death, you know, the tragedy of the death. But when I came across Sybil's book and read about falling in love in a treehouse, and her book surprised me because it's not really about Blaze Foley. It's really about a, a young woman and her relationship to the older woman she becomes and in verse. And the thing that's great about the internet is you could finally, the outhouse recordings were on the internet. And so you could just 
listen to these things and I have to travel a lot and have a lot of trouble sleeping. So you know, YouTube just plays these things and so I could listen to this. It just has this one picture of Blaze and you know, like all these songs and I'd hear people spilling beer and you'd hear somebody, you know, two Lone Stars, table four in the middle of this amazing song, you know? And, and I was just, I just play it over and over and I think it a little bit like a Harry Potter horcrux or something. Blaze's it got into me a little bit, and that outhouse recording, I just heard it and heard it, and I, 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 could, I felt it like a play, but I didn't know the movie until hearing about this love story and, and, and Sybil's, how Sybil saw Blaze. She didn't see him as an asshole. She didn't see him as a guy who got kicked out of bars and got in fights. She didn't see him as a guy whose main event was a tragedy. You know, she saw the man she loved, and I thought, oh, let's make a movie about that. You know, but what, how does this happen? How do we all be presented with paradise and then self-sabotage? Why, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like when you watch that movie, you go, don't leave, don't leave the treehouse. No, it's not going to be anything good. Flip the coin. What's funny, too, in her memoir, it's, it's so heartbreaking because she can't remember why they left. Yeah. And it haunts her. She later she goes back and asks people they knew why did we leave again? Why 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 didn't we do one more year? Like you know, and you can't figure it out. You can't figure it out. And and Ben, you are not an actor by trade. You're a musician. You have been a musician for a really long time. Mm-hmm. We're both from Little Rock, Arkansas, by the way. So I like yeah. was reading articles about you playing at the Whitewater Tavern. Like I played there. Oh, oh right on. Um, but so you you didn't. You haven't grown up wanting to be an actor, and you have a friend who is, and he says, let's make this movie about Blaze Foley, and you're going to be the lead. And so you have to go from, like, never having wanted to act <laughs> to, like, acting, and not just acting, but portraying someone who actually lived. Right. And not just acting, but also singing their songs. Right. And so you have a long history in music. You've been in Bloodfeathers. You've done your own stuff. Um, but what, how did you get into doing, to playing the music of Blaze Foley, like inhabiting that in a real way. Well, that was the one thing. The invitation to participate in, in this movie was um, steeped in music. So the acting part I would have to face and deal with, which I was rightly terrified about, but I had some tools. I had some pretty serious tools that I'll stand proudly by and say I'm, I can use well to take care of the music. So the first step was learning his music. and. I love music. I spent the better part of my life breaking down songs, trying to understand them. When I was 12 and 13, I wouldn't allow myself to go outside until I could play all of Manic Depression on a guitar. <laughs> and, you know, that's uh, it's the way I understand the world. So getting into the songs, I won't say it was easy, but I'm used to the process. And it felt good to be tasked with it because I could go into a library and someone was asking me to go into a library. And it was a great joy, although it was also fraught with pitfalls of um, being able to like step inside some of the darker songs or get inside some of the ones that are really heartbreaking. That was the first part of preparing for being my version of Blaze. The, the part that happened next was what, you know, to call it acting, I don't know, you know, I hear him talk about it and I hear other actors talk about it and you say, the worst thing that you can end up doing is acting <laughs> as an actor. So that was something I had to work out. Um, but it was really the story, the people, the script that he put together, and I knew where he was coming from in his heart, and I love him, and we 
look at the world together in a similar way, and so I didn't want to let him down. And there was a lot of, uh, I had a lot of help, you know, I had wonderful actors that he surrounded me with, and the people who were working on the movie were all there because of him and his his integrity and his reputation. And he says this thing, you know, it's a funny thing that happens when you're making art and no one's there to make money. Everything gets just rightly level, and the aim gets direct. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure on me, but I was coming confidently forward with the music. I didn't really know what was going to happen with the rest of it. But I had a huge amount of trust in my friend, and I had a huge amount of trust in the aim, and I saw, I saw it very well. Tell them how you, um, I find it really interesting how you used to teach yourself the songs. You know, you would, the harmony, you know, you Oh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, the first step in learning his songs, the way I did it, was I had a live microphone with headphones on, and I would listen to just the entire Outhouse recording, which is actually two records, it's the Outhouse and the Oval Room. And I would mix a live guitar into it as best I could where it sounded like I was with him on stage. And I learned the harmonies. And I played harmony guitar to his parts. A lot like Gurf had done when Gurf Morlex, who was Blaze Foley's running partner for a good, good part of his life. And it helped me support Blaze. I was, I was, his, I was with him. I was picking him up. I was, I was, and I love playing side man. I love... I love Someone writes a wonderful song, I don't need to say a lot on it, but I would like to help in the places that I hear helpful. So that's how I learned them. And then getting closer to when we were going to be going down and looking for locations, I flipped everything, and I started singing his parts. But it made me take care of him more than I might have, because I wanted to take care of him. I wanted to be like, I know what you intend to do with this song. I've heard you do it many times, and I've helped you, and now I'm going to do your part. That's amazing. You like learned... You learn the gig by playing the gig. That's like right. Play. Yeah. And so much of the movie is set kind of centered around this one gig. And it's so well done as someone who's played music for a long time about how music puts you in a lot of places at once. And, yeah. and so like you'd see you blaze up there and then all of a sudden you'd be back in the treehouse or yeah. you'd be you know, somewhere else. It was, it was great. And that, the other question is, have you ever played a gig like that? Yeah, I played one last night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know, uh, for songwriters, for comedians, for people who speak in front of anybody else where they're trying to express themselves, there's nothing more magical than silence. Um, because you, uh, my grandfather used to say, do you want somebody to hear you whisper? And I used to, I mean, I, I meditated on that for a long time. But at the same time, I'm not exactly there for adulation. I'm not exactly there to hypnotize you and to make you think that I'm smarter than you or I have, you know, I'm, I'm on a higher plane. I'm playing the song because that's what I do in this world. And if you want to talk about the hilarious dog video you saw to your friend and make them laugh, God bless you. <laughs> that's all right, too. And Blaze Foley is somebody who probably was so used to that sort of outlying chatter that it might have startled him to have it be different. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever think about the fact that there are going to be people now who hear your version of Blaze Foley's songs before they hear Blaze Foley's versions? I have thought a lot about that, and I'm, I've, I've come to the point where I'm okay with that because I think that's the way music works. Um, it's all right, Mom, only sighing, and all that sort of all these Dylan songs. He didn't, he didn't bring those melodies into the world. Those melodies have been traveling with us. 
And you know, they, they find bone flutes in caves in Spain from 40,000 years ago that magically are perfectly tuned to A432. Tell me what that means. <laughs> and um, so I know they'll go find Blaze. I know that they'll go find his real song. They'll be, whoa, his voice is deeper, and he's maybe a little bit more funny than that other fella. <laughs> But I, I think Blaze, in his uh, best of minds, would be really happy to know that the echoing uh, canyon is getting farther and deeper. Right on. That's a, that's a beautiful image. Well, it's a beautiful film, and, and a lot of it has to do with his relationship with Sybil Rosen. And then I kind of knew that going in. I did not know going in to watching the movie how big a part Towns Van Zandt was going to play. Mm -hmm. And we almost had Charlie Sexton in this interview with us calling from three in the morning in Australia. It didn't quite work out. Um, <laughs> It'd be hard to do. He That's he a good hour for Charlie, though. <laughs> but I have to say, when you, when you say Towns Van Zant, Charlie Sexton is like not the first guy I think of to cast. And so when you were coming together with this movie, you said you wanted to do it because, because he was a musician, because he would give, give the part what it needed. But how did you know that like... Charlie Sexton, who's kind of known as being like a really hot dude, could pull off <laughs> <laughs> could pull off the Towns Van Zandt part because it's a heavy part. I'm kind of known as a pretty hot dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out a more poetic way to say it. It just wasn't there. Um, see how to answer that. There's so many fun ways to answer that. Um, I'll tell you something funny. I remember when I when I first met Denzel Washington. He also said, a pretty hot dude. Hey, yeah. He said to me, I see you. A couple years ago, all anybody wanted you to look pretty and take the money. <laughs> but you want to be an artiste. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I laughed and I thought that was kind of true. And when I saw Charlie Sexton, I thought, you know, a few years ago, all anybody wanted you to do is look pretty and take the money. <laughs> but instead, you want to be the greatest guitarist of your generation. And you want to live the blues and feel the blues. And you uh, sought authenticity with your life and the way you carry yourself and the way you treat other people. He's a very special person. And when I met him on Boyhood, you know, he was acting. And so I met him as an actor. And he talked about acting. And he asked me lots of questions about acting. He was really curious. He liked acting a lot. He was taking acting classes. And uh, he spoke about it like an artist. And I thought to myself, much the same way, on a gut level, I knew Ben, it was a country western opera. That's what I was making. So in a way, the music was just as important as the acting. One of them was going to be somebody who wasn't comfortable doing something, right? And Charlie has something to say in his body, in his face, in his voice about this world. He knows about it. I mean, he said this funny thing to me. He said, listen, I'm going to do this movie, but if you don't make a good one, it's going to ruin my whole life. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, this, this music is my life. You Whoa. know, you, can't, you just can't do a bad job. And, um, and that's a huge pressure, you know. But luckily, he joined me and helped me, and, and Ben helped me, and... and I knew he had something to say about it. And also, Towns Van Zandt is, is, you know, for lack of a better word, a genius. He's on a, there's, there's a lot of people chasing that flame, that mysterious flame of, of greatness. What is it to be great at an art form? And I needed, it's not important what 
that person look like, it's important to capture an unknowable energy. It's unknowable. Why? What is... You remember in Amadeus when, like, here this guy writes this beautiful thing and then all he wants to do is talk about tits and chocolate and he goes, ah! You remember that whole thing? And you see the guy going, you? you know, what Salieri. is genius? Yeah, Why yeah, you? you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's a mysterious flame. And I needed the, one of the hearts of the movie. I, I always imagine what was it like for Blaze, who I, I relate to as somebody who struggles... I just relate to him, and he's a working man. He's doing good work and putting out good songs and running with towns. And I just was fascinated by that friendship and how, in a lot of ways, you know, if it wasn't for the, you know, towns goosing the truth here and there, um, we might not have heard of Blaze Foley, you know? I mean, towns perpetuated the myth and the legend of him, and music needs that legend. It needs, I mean, Ben and I got obsessed with Blaze to find out which is the real story. How did he die? Did you, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's, I don't know. I, I get, just gave you 15 different weird answers to a very smart question. But. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up. I've got like eight pages of questions, but you guys have got other things to do. Um, but I will say that if, if he was worried that you made a good movie or not, you did. So I don't think that you ruined Charlie Sexton's life. And... Um, yeah, and thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for coming out. It's wonderful. I'm going down to the Greyhound Station. Gonna get a ticket to ride. Gonna find that lady with two or three kids and sit down by her side. Ride until the sun comes up and down around me about two or three times. Smoking cigarettes in the last seat. Try to hide the sorrow from the people I meet and get along with it all. Go down with people, say y'all. Sing a song with a friend. Change the shape that I'm in. Get back in the game. Start playing again. And this is Clay Pigeons, the song that got this whole Blaze movie process started. Written by Blaze Foley, discovered by Ben Dickey's dad, and played here by Ben Dickey. This recording is from the original cast recording for the movie Blaze. It's really good, and you can actually pre-order it now. It comes out on September 21st. You can find a pre-order link on the show notes page for this episode at the KUTX website, or that like notes section on the Apple Podcasts app that I just discovered. You can find the link there, too. And like I said, you can find a Spotify playlist on the show notes page with lots of good Blaze Foley related music. Now, if you want to get more insight into the Blaze movie, you can listen to the interview they did with Jody Denberg. They were joined by Sybil Rosen and they came into Studio 1A, our gorgeous live performance studio here at KUTX. It's a great interview. Ben played some songs and you can find a link to that full session on the show notes page as well. And if you want to hear me do another live taping of the This Song podcast, well, come to Waterloo Records this Thursday, August 30th. I'll be there at 5 p.m. with Israel Nash talking about a song that changed his life, his creative process, and his new record, Lifted. I'll see you there. And that's it. You've come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced by me, Elizabeth McQueen. The interview was edited by Nadia Hamdan and tweaked by Jake Perlin. Thanks, guys. You're awesome. 
Thanks to Deidre Gutt and Peter Vab and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And thanks to Waterloo Records. That was a really fun interview. And yes, it's true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.